Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. We'll uh, dive in and continue our study in the book of Acts. So we're continuing in the book of Acts and looking at uh, the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that God is actually doing. So last, the past two weeks, if you've missed that, I want to encourage you to go back and take a look at um, the last couple of weeks and and watch uh, how we have moved and celebrated what God has done in the birth of the church as we've actually watched it spread Uh, From this one centralized location, persecution comes, the believers actually spread. God speaks to uh, Peter, he speaks to a guy named Cornelius, and then we see the gospel under the direction of the Holy Spirit begin to move outside the Jews and actually reach the Gentiles. And so that's where we're really where we're at right now here in Acts, and we're going to get to that. But I want to take you back to when you were, uh, maybe when you were a child, maybe you're still this way, I'm not sure. You remember what it was like? As a child, the night before Christmas, like I couldn't go to sleep the night before Christmas. You know why? Because Santa Claus was coming, right? And Santa Claus was going to bring something and put something underneath the tree that had my name on it. And I had made my list. I had written the letters. I had told Santa what I wanted. I had made clear that this was what my agenda was for Christmas morning. I gave that to Santa Claus, and I just knew that Santa was going to put exactly what I wanted underneath the tree. But there was one problem that came between me and Christmas morning, and that was nighttime. Because you had to go to sleep. And in order for Santa Claus to come into your house and come down the chimney or walk through the back door, or walk through the front door, or come through an open window, however Santa Claus came into your house, the one thing you had to do in order for that to happen was you had to go to sleep. And I would lay in bed sometimes as a child, so anticipating what Santa Claus was going to put under the Christmas tree for me that I could not go to bed. And I would make noise, and I would get up out of bed, and I would have to get a drink one time, two times, Ten times, a dozen times, a couple of times, because I could not stop thinking about what was underneath the Christmas tree that Santa Claus was going to bring to me. And so how, here I am right now in my mid-40s, and I look back on those Christmases where Santa Claus brought me all of these gifts that he had given to me, and you know what? I can probably only name you one or two of those gifts, (laughs) I remember getting a bicycle, and I remember getting a Star Wars clock that I wanted, the original one, still in the box that's in the top of my closet at home, still to this day. 
I remember getting two gifts. Of all those Christmases, I don't remember any other gift that I, that I actually got. But do you remember, if you've had kids, you've experienced this. You wake up on Christmas morning, they rip off all of the paper, and you have to have one person with a trash bag grabbing the paper so that the gifts don't get mixed in with the actual trash. And every, every kid is so excited to open the gift, and they spend the rest of the day playing with the toys. And then they spend December 26th playing with the toys. And then December 27th playing with the toys. Maybe December 28th, but I'll promise you, by the time you get to March, they can't even remember the presents that they unwrapped underneath the tree. And they're like, what in the world? And then they're moved, they've moved on to something else, or their eye has been captured with something else. And the presents that they couldn't go to sleep thinking about on Christmas Eve now are probably some of the furthest from their mind. Think back what it was like opening those presents for you. Do you remember many of the gifts that you actually got for Christmas? My grandma would always tell me the gifts that she got for Christmas because it was the same every year. They put out a white sock and they got an apple, an orange, and a candy cane. That was their present every single year. So she always remembered what she actually got, but I don't remember. You know, I think that this mindset that we had, that I had growing up as a child at Christmas, anticipating what Santa Claus was going to bring me, what I was going to actually receive as a gift from Santa Claus, is something that I think bleeds over into church life as well. And we get so excited about what God is doing and we see and we celebrate what God is doing, but yet life goes on and we forget. And we move past what that was. And you know, this is true in the life of a church as well. Churches are launched clearly with God's mission at heart. Knowing what God was doing, and because of that, there was a launch or a birth of a church. We can take you back to 1932 when there was no church or there was no town of South Daytona here. Most of this was dairy farm. And back in 1932, the Lord stirred inside Grace Bevel and her husband the need for a church in this community to reach what she would say are roughhousing boys in this community so that those boys would have the opportunity to know Jesus Christ. So they would be able to walk away from the the menace that they were causing in this community and walk in holiness and walk in relationship with God. We can take us all the way back 91 years ago to see what God was doing. And I don't want to analyze each one of those years, but I want us to recapture what God dreamed when he birthed this church. Grace Bevel, if you would read some of what she's written, she would tell you she did not start out to launch this church on her own. She felt led by Holy Spirit to do so. And then she began to pull some resources together. We'll talk more about that next week for Vision Sunday. And I want to encourage you to be here next week as we figure out together as God's sons and daughters where he's actually leading. I'll share a lot from my heart and a lot from my just over two years of being here with you and diving back into the history of what God has done and what God has dreamed and where I believe that God is leading us and what a refuge of grace looks like for each and every one of us joined together here in this body. But this morning, I kind of want to lay a, a foundation, a framework to actually get us there. 
Because what I believe we can default to sometimes in the church, and it's just a natural process, is the church ministry can actually become just like it was for us on Christmas Eve, and then we get a few months past Christmas, and all of a sudden that excitement or that um, anxiety, uh, or that, not anxiety, but that anticipation is actually gone of what God is doing. And so I want us to figure out, are we mission-minded or are we in a maintenance mode? Those are two different extremes. Are we on mission with what God wants us to do? Or are we simply maintaining what God has done in the past and trying to figure out how to keep our heads afloat? Because if we're just maintaining and keeping our heads afloat, I don't want to be a part of that. And I don't think you want to be a part of that either. I don't want to simply maintain the move of God in the past. I want to be able to be walking in the presence of God, seeing what He is doing in the lives of people through the ministry of this refuge of grace. And I wanted to take a few minutes this morning to be able to hear some of the stories. We could tell you lots more stories. Pastor Ashley stood and shared how we were able to reach 12 families this morning. Uh, we could tell you lives that have been changed and people that have given their life to Jesus Christ. We just got a letter this week uh, from someone who was here in this community for a very, very short time. It came to church once or twice, uh, and we worked with this individual, and then he moved away. But he said while he was here, these are his words, he saw Jesus and the church. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. For, and we've got to tell and celebrate these stories of what God is doing in our midst so that, it make, so that we make certain that we are a church that is on mission and we are not in maintenance mode. So kind of a little bit of a progression as I was really wrestling with this this, this week um, and figuring out what to share with you. What happens is when we begin on mission... Then we get to this place to where we want to focus on the maintenance. And whenever we're focusing on maintaining what God has done in the past, then the conversation always shifts to money. Because you have to have money in order to maintain. Now, these things are not bad things. But the question that we have to ask ourselves, which M word are we going to focus on? Are we going to focus on the money? And you hear that there are some churches that actually do that. And they will get into pushing believers to actually funnel their money into so that they can then maintain what God is doing so they can, they can try to go back and capture the mission. But here's what I believe. If we'll focus on the mission, the maintenance and the money will always come into the ministry that God has for us. And as long as we're focusing on the mission of this refuge of grace, we don't have to focus on the money. We don't have to focus on the maintenance because we're focusing on the Holy Spirit and his move in our midst. So which M word do we want to focus on? Do you want to focus on money? Do we want to focus on maintaining or do we want to focus on the mission that God has given to us? I believe it's mission. I believe wholeheartedly that that is your heart as well, and it's exciting to watch that, and we heard that through some stories here and lots of other stories that we could tell beyond today that would take us into tomorrow or whatever. So what is our mission? 
Who's God called us to be? I believe that God's called us, and I talk about this every Sunday, and I push our staff to talk about this, not just here in our church ministries, not just in our school ministries, but also in our thrift store and our outreach, in every area. If God has called us to be a refuge of grace, then every area of this ministry absolutely is a refuge of grace. So my question for you this morning is, are we content with surviving, or do we want to walk in obedience to God? Do we, want, are we, do we want to just survive? Do we want to figure out what it takes to just stay above? Or do we want to walk in obedience? And if we choose obedience, then the next question that we have to ask is, God, where are you leading us? Then the next question is, is what are the steps that you actually desire for us? And these are things that every one of us have a responsibility to wrestle with God with. And then eventually get to the place to where we ask God, God, you've placed me here in this refuge of grace for a reason. So what is that reason? And what is the gift that you actually desire for me to operate with in this refuge of grace? Because whenever we get to the place to where it's maintenance or sustainability or money or just operating with the mindset of we're going to do everything we can to be able to keep moving forward, then we've shifted and lost what God actually desires for us. I once had a pastor that said, and he operated, um, he was our lead pastor, I was on staff with him, and he operated this with this mindset, and he pushed all of us, not just in the church but on staff, to operate with this mindset. He said, God's will done God's way, will never lack God's supply. God's will, done God's way, will never lack God's supply. So what has the Lord been stirring in you? What has the Lord been stirring in you that he desires for you in this refuge of grace? Because this place is like a puzzle that's never finished. There's always more pieces, people that God wants to add And in that addition, each piece of the puzzle has a purpose, and it has a plan in the grand scheme of this puzzle. And if you fit in the puzzle, and I believe that you fit in the puzzle, I believe wholeheartedly that you fit in the puzzle, and we'll talk about some scripture to get us there in just a moment, then we have to ask, what is the purpose that God has, and what is the plan that God has for your piece of the puzzle? So in Acts chapter 11 we'll see a radical shift in the mission of the church. And I want you to catch this shift that's happening in the mission of of the church and how it's actually handled, because I believe in this, that God has ordained for this day to be a roadmap for us moving forward. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Telling the message only to Jews. So this was the mission of the church. It's laid out there in verse 19. They were only preaching to the Jews. They missed what God was doing. God brought about a persecution to actually lead them to this place. To where then he gives a vision to two different people. It speaks through an angel and a vision in Acts chapter 10. And we see this church begin to fully grasp their mission. But they were confined here, Luke tells us in Acts 11 verse 19. They were only preaching to the Jewish people. They scattered. 
But even in the scattering, they missed what Holy Spirit was doing and the purpose of bringing the scattering of the per- from the persecution. Verse 20. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And watch verse 21. The Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So why, 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 catch what's happening here. Why is it that in this verse, a large number of people believe and turn to the Lord? It's because they were walking in obedience and not worrying about sustainability to only preaching the gospel to the Jews. There's a shift that's happening in Acts chapter 11. And some of the believers captured that. It's what verse 20 says. Some of them said, you know what? We don't want to just actually only preach the gospel to the Jews. We remember this vision that Peter shared with us, how three times the Lord spoke to him. And we remembered what happened with Cornelius. And when Peter and the other six actually went, and there the house, the whole household, and those that worked with him gave their life to Jesus Christ and were filled with the Holy Spirit, mirroring what happened to the Jews on Acts chapter 2. And so because we remember that, we want to fully embrace this mission at this moment that God has given to us us. You know, sometimes the way forward looks a little different than when we examine the past. And I hope that you caught that. Because if we want to go to the past and figure out what worked and try to do it right now, we may not be living in obedience. And that's not to belittle what God has done in the past. Because if God worked in the past, then we have to champion those stories. But what if God was doing something different in the past than what he's doing right now? If that's the case, then what was done in the past will not work in the present and will stunt the future. So what we see here in Acts chapter 11 is the church, the believers in the church fully embrace this shift that is taking place in the ministry, the mission of the church. Now, it would have been easy here for some of these believers to actually stand up and say, hold on just a minute. What we did in the past, from Acts chapter 2 up to Acts chapter 10, it worked. And to prove it, there now are thousands of believers in Jesus that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, when Peter stood up and preached the first sermon after the arrival of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. We then see thousands and thousands and thousands, and we celebrate in that verse, the Lord added to their number daily those who believed. So it was exciting to see the past of the church. But in this moment, these believers did not stand up and say, hey, what we did was working, so why do we want to change that? Well, the answer is because God was shifting. God was moving in a fresh and a new way. It was the fulfillment of the prophecy from Joel and the words of Jesus 
that the gospel would spread on men and women, Jew and Gentile, everybody would receive the good news of Jesus Christ. But when we get to verse 20 and 21, they were celebrating the shift that was happening in the mission in the ministry of the church. Here's what we have to understand. We have to stay in step with the Holy Spirit so that if God shifts left, we don't keep walking straight. Or if God shifts to the right, we're not abandoning what God is doing and standing out here in left field all by ourselves. We have to stay in step and walk in obedience to the Spirit. So let's see how this continues to play out. Verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them. A great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. There is the shift that's taken place. Verse 22, news of this, that's the importance of telling our testimonies and what God is doing and celebrating that because if we don't tell it, how will we know what God has done? We've got to know what God is doing. You see, we can't, I want to talk about this for just a second. We can't conjure up, that's a good Southeast Missouri term. We can't conjure up the move of the Holy Spirit. If God moves, God moves. If he doesn't, he doesn't. That's okay because he's God and we're not. And so here, they were just telling the news of what God was doing. They weren't making it up. They weren't leading these uh, non-Jewish people down to an altar and beating them up saying, give their life, give your life to Christ, give your life to Christ. You're a sinner and you're going to hell and you've got to change right now. They were just celebrating and championing the grace of God and then telling those stories. So if God moves, we've got to walk with him and move with him and tell of that. If he doesn't, that's okay. The pressure is not on our shoulders. God moves whenever God chooses to move. So in verse 22, news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Verse 23, when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God. Now, watch this verse. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus. Now watch how God goes into the past. He's been before them working. But God's going to go and bring somebody that's vital to what he's doing in this grace. And Barnabas shows up and he says, man, I see the grace of God. I see the people's lives that have been changed. And so he says, hey, I'm not able to work in this. I've got to have somebody to help in this. There's some additional giftedness from the Holy Spirit that's going to be vital in this move of what God is doing. And so in verse 25, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So what we see actually playing out is God's mission in this early church. 
God's mission now being fulfilled to these non-Jewish actual believers now whose lives have been changed. And Barnabas goes down. They, they sent Barnabas down. And they said, Barnabas, you've got to go help these believers. So they're brand new. So the gospel has spread to them. These people have given their lives to Jesus. And so you've got to go down and you've got to help them. Barnabas gets there. He celebrates God's grace. And he says, hey, we've got to have some help. I can't do this on my own. I need some other gifting. And so he remembers Saul. The one who introduced Saul to the Jerusalem church was Barnabas. Here's some interesting things about Barnabas that I learned this week. Barnabas's name used to be Joseph. It was actually changed by the apostles to Barnabas. It's not that they didn't like Joseph, and it's not that Joseph was a bad name or he was confused with somebody else. They changed Joseph's name to Barnabas to truly reflect the giftedness that God had placed on Barnabas's life. Barnabas literally means encourager or one who actually encourages. And so I want to stop for just a moment here and point out that after Barnabas, or Joseph, entered into relationship with Jesus, he was saved, he was filled with the Spirit, and began operating in his spiritual gifts, his name was changed to reflect the calling that God had placed on his life to encourager or one who encourages. So here's a question I have for you. If we were to change your name to the primary trait that you have in your life, what would your name be? That's a pretty deep thought, right? Think about your life. Think about how you operate with the people that you're around. And we were to change your name to the primary trait that you exhibit. Could we change your name to encourager? Or could we change your name to grump? Would we change your name to helper? Or would we change your name to sourpuss? If we were to change your name to the primary trait that you exhibited to those that were around you, what would we change your name to? And I think if we can answer that question, we can discover if we're operating with the giftedness like Barnabas was operating with. You see, Barnabas saw the move of God. And when he figured out what was taking place, he celebrated God's grace So that grace did not stay outside into something that God had given him, but it came inside, and then that grace was something that then flowed through him. Grace didn't stop by receiving. Grace became something that Barnabas actually gave. And that then is when we see his name change to who the calling, the giftedness that God has placed upon his life. This is a move of God that every single one of us has to experience. And this is what you have to remember. God's grace is always present in his work. Write this down. Take a photo of it. Remind yourself of this. God's grace is always present in his work. And if your name should be changed to sourpuss or grump, then you have missed God's grace. 
And we have to then align ourselves with the mission that God has given to us and figure out which piece of the puzzle that he has for us, the purpose that he has for every one of our lives, so then we support the mission of what God is actually doing here. Whenever Barnabas sees the Gentiles coming to faith, instead of fighting that change, he celebrates the grace of God. Because Barnabas understood he could not save anybody. He could not change anybody's lives. Instead, that was the move of God. And God will move whenever God decides to move. And when God moves, we walk in obedience underneath that mission that actually he has for us. Why does this take place? The scripture is clear. That Barnabas was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Just like we, we, heard about, um, uh, we heard about Stephen back in Acts chapter 7 a few weeks ago. Full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And what Barnabas was doing here is simply listening to the Holy Spirit and just telling what God was actually doing. And so what we need in this refuge of grace are people especially those of us that have experienced the move of God that has changed us in our lives or those who walk in a, uh, a more higher spiritual authority to recognize that the Holy Spirit is working in this place. He's moving through the ministries of this refuge of grace and what we have to do is encourage it, kind of uh, fanning into flame the fire of the Holy Spirit in this place. Not say, well, it didn't work that way in the past. And I have to tell you, I've been a part of the church since I was just two weeks old. And I've been on both spectrums of I like the way that we did it in the past and I'm excited about what God is doing in the future. And what I had to come to the realization was I cannot dictate the move of God. And if God moves, I either have to walk in obedience or I have to get stuck of the rut from the past and celebrate the past move of God. And we have to do both. Celebrate the past, but keep moving with where the Holy Spirit is working. And tell those amazing God stories. But watch what, watch what Barnabas does. I want you to look at these verses again with me. And I want us to grasp this because this is the key for us moving forward. So we get to Vision Sunday next, next week. We're going to talk about what the future actually looks like for us as a, as, as a body, uh, as, as, a, as a refuge of grace. Verse 25 and verse 26 are some key pieces that we have to hone into, and I want our community groups to talk about these this week, because this is vital for us. Verse 25 and verse 26. It says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Barnabas recognizes that God is doing something special and something different. And the methods of the past of just preaching to the Jews was not going to work going forward. And so Barnabas, being full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, 
I'm sure that he prayed and wrestled with this and figured out what it was that the body actually needed. Luke doesn't give us that insight, but if you're full of faith and you're full of the Holy Spirit, your natural thing is to sit with the Lord and say, God, what is it you're doing and how is it that I can continue to support and encourage the move of your Holy Spirit? Barnabas knew that he did not have the giftedness in order to keep encouraging this body, this new group of believers. And so through his time with the Lord, it's, it's my speculation, but I believe wholeheartedly that that's how it came about, Paul or Saul actually came to the mind of Barnabas. And so what Barnabas did is he recognized that continue to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, he had to get somebody to come and actually partner in this moment, in this ministry. That was totally different than the way things had been done in the past. And so, in championing this grace, what we actually see are the gifts of Saul being played out. I don't want you to turn there, but I just want to point this out because this is where I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just make a little note of that. And sometime in your time with the Lord, I want you to go through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You could preach dozens and dozens of sermons on this one book in the New Testament. Saul, that we're actually talking about here, actually wrote this section of the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, wrote it to the Corinthian believers who were wrestling with some of the same things this early church was wrestling with here in Acts chapter 11. But I want to pause for just a moment and if you just want to point something out um, because I don't want the enemy to use this. You may have been thinking, hey, we're coming up on Vision Sunday next week, and Pastor Michael keeps talking about the past, and things are going to look different going forward. And so there's going to be all these changes that take place around here. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying the past was bad. I'm saying, man, there were some awesome days of the past. All I'm saying is, I don't own a camera anymore because I have a phone and a camera in one. So I don't go, back, I don't go out and buy film. I used to love taking my film and letting it be developed. Some of these kids up here are thinking, what in the world is he talking about? But I loved it. I loved taking the film, putting it in the little black tube with a gray cap, filling out the little thing, sending it away. If I had some extra money, I'd get the one or two hour development, pay a little extra to get it back right away. And then opening it up, opening it up and see what exactly was on the film that I just had developed. But I don't do that anymore. Do you know why? Because I carry around a phone that has a camera in it. And immediately, I can see what my photos actually look like. I don't have to pay for that old method anymore because it's not effective right here in 2023. All I'm saying are things change sometimes. And that's okay. That's okay. As long as God has ordained it in the church. And so all I'm saying is, if things change, that's okay. But we do not make changes for the sake of change. We make changes after God ordains the change. And so I'm not making proposals of any changes around here. All I'm asking you to do is to simply walk in obedience to the Spirit. And here's the other thing that I know. The Holy Spirit will not contradict himself. God doesn't say something to, some, to one person and say something different to another person for the sake of a fight. That doesn't happen. 
God speaks the same thing all the time. And that's why I always say if God says something, you better go back into his word and make sure it doesn't contradict his word. Because God doesn't speak and then change his mind down the road. God speaks the truth at all times. And we've got to make sure that we're just being obedient to the Lord and walking in what it is that he's doing. So I just want to point that out because I realized that I was talking about changes and that may make the the hair on the back of your head stand up. Don't let it. We just have to listen to the Holy Spirit. That's That's all that I'm saying. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here's what's important, and here's what I want to end with this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 are the gifts. Paul actually talks about the gifts. And this is where I want to focus for just just five more minutes here. I want us to figure out what your giftedness is. Now, I I can't receive, like God could speak that way, but that's not what I'm saying. I believe God placed you here for a reason, so that he gifts you, so that he can use you. So what is your giftedness? You may know what that giftedness is. But here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul actually lays out all of these gifts. I'm going to put a couple of verses up here that I think are going to be very important that we have to grasp. The first, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit. So he's making a change here. He says, brothers and sisters, the gifts are for brothers and sisters. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. Verse 4 and verse 7, this is what Paul says. There are different kinds of gifts. I love this part. We are not all uniform, cookie-cutter, giftedness Christians. Boy, that would be boring. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but it's the same spirit that gives those actual gifts that distributes them to all of the body. And so there's a differentness inside of this, but yet there is a unity inside of this because it's the same spirit. And so all of the gifts actually work together to support the same mission. The gifts can't work against each other. They work to support the mission of what God is doing. And you have been placed in the body of Christ right where you're at with a gift that he has given to you that we've got to cultivate that and let you begin to operate in your gifts. And then in verse 7, he says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Well, what is the common good? It's his mission, his mission done his way that will not lack his supply. Your gift cannot distract from the mission. If it is, that's not the Holy Spirit. So what is your gift? What is the gift that God has actually given to you? Because I believe what God has for us in this next season is each one of us begin operating in the Spirit's giftedness that He actually has for us. Why did God create you? When God was dreaming of you and knitting you together inside of your mother's womb, what was it? What was that purpose? What was that plan that God actually had in mind for you? We heard a couple of those bits and pieces through some of the testimonies here this morning and how awesome that was. But what is the giftedness that God has for you? Here's the question that you have to know the answer to. As a part of a refuge of grace, God has placed you here in this refuge of grace. Every one of us are here in this refuge of grace. So as a part of this refuge of grace, how has God gifted me through the Holy Spirit to fulfill his mission? You see, you have a peace. 
You have a part of God's plan deposited inside of you, gifted through the Holy Spirit to actually support his mission in what he wants to do in this refuge of grace. So what is the purpose? So this morning's service has been a little different. We paused for testimony time. And we're going to end a little bit different. And what I want to ask you to do is for just a moment to be anointed with oil. Scripture, we can, we can look at the purpose of what that, what that is. To open our ears to God's mission for this refuge of grace and to help us discover the Holy Spirit's giftedness that he's deposited inside of each one of us. It's going to be a little bit different. And some of us, it makes us a little bit uneasy because we've seen in some other environments where this type of a moment is actually manipulated. And there's not going to be any manipulation here. It's not going to be anything done out of order here in this moment. I just simply want to ask you, if you want the anointing from myself or Pastor Gary, will be up here in just a moment, to help you open your ears to the mission of what God is doing in this refuge of grace, and in the giftedness that he's deposited inside of you, then I want to ask you to just be anointed. It'll just be a short couple of sentence prayer, and then we'll move on to the second person. And in this moment, it's not some crazy moment done out of order, because all of the focus of this moment has to be on God's mission and on the giftedness of the Holy Spirit. And there are several things that you can discover this week through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 of that giftedness of the actual Holy Spirit. You know, one of them that I, I chuckle about because sometimes people conveniently live, leave this one out of a gift of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's generosity, being generous of your time and your resources. They, they like to focus on the healing gift, and they like to focus on some other gift, but they, they leave out these practical gifts, a simple gift of faith, a simple gift of encouragement. There's all kinds of gifts. There's a gift of hospitality. So what is the giftedness that the Spirit has given to you? Because this is vital for us in this refuge of grace. So our worship team's going to come up now, and if this is you, we're you just want to be anointed and prayed for, we're going to, in just a moment when we sing, we'll just take two lines here, and then just short anointing, couple of sentence prayer, and then we'll move to the next person. We'll move to the next person. But here's my push, and I think this is where we've got to discover, what is his mission as a refuge of grace, and why has he placed you here? What is his giftedness that he actually desires for you? Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week.